Let us turn again. In the word of God to Acts 27. And reading at verse 22. And now I exhort you to be of good cheer. For there shall be no loss of any man's life among you, but of the ship. For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul, thou must be brought before Caesar. And lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God, that it shall be even as it was told me. Uh, considering in particular, as the Lord is pleased to enable us, uh, the words in verse 25. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God, that that shall be even as it was told me. They come into this distress as the result of a bad choice. Verse 13. Although they had been counseled otherwise, yet they went by the appearances. The south wind blew softly, supposing that they had obtained their purpose. Many a person has made a bad choice through appearances, or maybe group pressure. Paul seemed to be on his own, and they thought they were experts, and that Paul was not. It's interesting how Christians are, are not valued by the world until there's a crisis. Then they're valued. A lot of people never look for a minister until they're dying. And then suddenly the minister is important and they send for him. Things went smoothly, of course, for a little while. And then there was a sudden change. And they were engulfed in this storm. Now, everybody in that ship was afraid including Paul. Why else would the message say, fear not, Paul? Because he was afraid. But having received word from God, he had the faith which conquers fear. And that is what we're going to look at this morning as the Lord is pleased to enable us. The faith which conquers fear. Now, that doesn't mean that all fear is taken away. You can have both at the same time. The psalmist says, what time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. While he's afraid, he still trusts in God, 
But faith conquers fear in the sense that you're no longer ruled by fear. It's still there. You're aware of it. But God has spoken. And Paul said, Sirs, be of good cheer. For I believe God that it shall be even as it was told me. Let us look first of all at Paul's faith. If you have faith, faith has sometimes to struggle against providence, against the things that you see. Because, of course, faith is, uh, shall we say, built to withstand the influence and pressure of the things that you see. Because faith is the foundation of things hoped for, and it's the evidence of things which are not seen. So faith is there to oppose what you see. You, you are to walk by faith and not by sight. This bad decision was made by emphasizing sight. They were in great distress and they were afraid. And the only answer to fear is faith in Christ. Now, he also, of course, is invisible, but you have his word. Faith rests upon the word of God. And he said, I believe God. Be of good cheer. It shall be even as it was told me. Faith looks for certainty, definiteness, hope. And when you think about it, they had no other hope. Now, notice he didn't say, I believe the angel. Or I believe the minister or whoever. Faith doesn't rest on the word of the messenger. It rests on the word of God. I believe God. The messenger is to bring you the word of God. But that's all. Let us not make gods out of the messengers. The word angel, of course, means messenger. And that's an example for all of us who are in the ministry in particular. We don't change it. We don't add to it. We don't take away. We don't dumb it down. We give it exactly as God gave it. All of it. The whole counsel of God. God will not bless anything else. So Paul's hope and his encouragement for others was based on, I believe God. Faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God. And faith must always hear the word of God in this world. And it's one of the means of grace. God says it's necessary. Many professing Christians don't seem to think it is necessary. They don't read much. They don't pray much. They don't attend the means of grace much. God says it's necessary. 
How can we grow in grace unless it's in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ? Not just his person, his work, but his relationship with ourselves. Christianity is nothing unless it's a relationship with Christ. It's not the recitation of a a few facts and figures. It's not being able to memorize the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. The devil can do that. Orthodoxy. The devil believes everything that's written in the Bible. It never saved him. It never saved anybody else. Faith is trust in Christ. Faith says he is credible. What he says, it shall be even as it was told me. That is faith. There's joy that comes from faith. There's assurance that comes from faith. A lot of things come from faith. But you're saved by faith alone. In Christ alone. Not by works. Not by feelings. Not by some ecclesiastical connection either. Faith alone in Christ alone. Live with that. And you can die with that. Faith rests on Christ and his word. Now, faith must use the means of grace. But faith must also seek to obey God. And you'll see here how it was told that unless the men remained in the ship, they would not be saved. And Paul told the centurion that. And the means were used. And they were all delivered. We read in Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians 2.13, that God saves us. He brings us to salvation by the power of the Spirit and the truth believed. Faith is not careless. It uses the means. Faith that labors by love. Now, they were still afraid. God's word can comfort us if we believe it. We're like the man who said, Lord, I believe. Help thou mine unbelief. He's aware of both within him. Faith shines here. Shines in the darkness of the storm to others. Paul makes his faith visible. He speaks to them. It shall be as God said. Now let us look secondly at how faith is used here. First of all, and keeping the context. Trusting Christ in the worst of storms. We all have to go through the storms of life, as they say. Things are never easy. If they are easy, there's something wrong. 
We must go through much tribulation. Things will not be easy, and it would be naive to think that there will be. This storm was waiting for them, you might say, right round the corner. They didn't see it coming, but it was coming. There was a woman met Spurgeon, and she said, uh, I don't understand all this talk you have about trials and tribulations and temptations and struggles. And Spurgeon said, women, mend your sails. The storm is coming. They were afraid. And when a person is afraid, it's really because of the unknown. They don't know what's about to happen. And that was Paul's comfort to them. He could tell them from God what is about to happen. They're about to experience distress, loss. Now, in a personal sense, we have the storms of guilt. Or when the devil attacks us and we find that we're somehow too weak to defend ourselves. And then there's the afterwards. David, Peter, Samson. There's a, a sense of failure and, and shame. And there seems to be no way out of it. What time I am afraid, David said, I will trust in thee. Storms. Well, as Rutherford said, it's hard to get a sight of Christ in a storm. It's hard to get a grip of Christ in a storm as well. But you have to trust that although you're going through a storm, you'll still reach the other shore. He said they would, they would reach the other shore. No one would die in that ship. But that still leaves a lot of room for other things to happen to them. And it did. Things began, you might say, to get worse instead of better. There are a lot of distresses we may have to go through before we come to the other shore, which is heaven. If you look at Job chapter 1, Job, Job didn't see it coming, but it came. Paul himself, when you look at his, uh, shall we say, autobiographical epistle in 2 Corinthians, there's that list in uh, chapter 4, persecuted but not forsaken. Cast down but not destroyed. And then later on he talks about being in the deep. Well, this was one of them. Faith says with Job, and how it rises to the occasion. Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. And this is not talking about theoretical suffering. This is talking about the real thing. So trusting Christ in the worst of the storms of life. Also trusting Christ day by day by day. 
They were quite a lot of days in this condition. There was exhaustion. And uh, you might say Paul reminds them of the link between body and soul. When God looks at a person, he sees soul and body. And the body has to be looked after. Christians are told your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Now, they weren't eating, certainly weren't sleeping. And maybe they weren't drinking as well, but that was part of the remedy. Something was going to be needed to be done in the days ahead. And the body needed strength to do it. Your soul cannot go up when your body is down. The soul can bring the body down, but the body can bring the soul down as well. If you remember Elijah, his burnout, his exhaustion. Sleep, eat, drink. And then when he was stronger, there was something to be done. And it was the same here. Enduring, exhausting, unbelief, and a body which was dragging the soul down with it. Many a person can look hopeful when the storm's only one or two or three days. But when the storm continues week after week after week, and things seem to get worse and worse, and you've tried everything and you can't get out of it, and you feel a failure and there's no hope, well, the temptation is to just lie down and wait for the end. Paul gave them the word, but he also told them, look after your bodies. The word is for the soul, but you need food and drink and sleep for the body. And remember, they went through all that and they were still afraid. But at least they were doing what God told them. And that's always a safe thing to do, no matter how you feel or how it looks. As Mary said, whatever he says to you, you do it. That's the safe path. Trusting Christ day after day. Also trusting Christ for the sake of others in the ship with him. Paul encouraged them. He seemed to be the only leader left on that ship. He certainly was a great example. And by saying this, he was encouraging them to trust in God also. I believe God. And encourage them to believe what God said as well. We read it seemed that all hope was gone. The answer David had also. Still trust in God. I shall yet praise him. That is faith. And faith in the midst of fear. The word of God gives us hope. And that's all that was left here, hope. 
All other hope we read had been taken away except one, God. Hope gives energy to people. Without hope, they have no energy. I heard something years ago. It was in psychology. And it sounded strange, but the more I thought about it, there was something in it. And the statement was, it's better to be angry than to despair. Sounds strange, but you see, anger has energy. Despair has none. Despair only looks for one end, death, and lies down to wait for it. Hope, there's energy. There may not be much, but it's enough to get you back up on your feet, like Job, up from the dust. Faith and hope and love. They're always together. But you can't have the third without the first two. Faith, hope, that order. And then another use here. You might say the the climax of the use of faith. Trusting Christ when the ship goes down. Trusting Christ when the ship goes down. All hope had been taken away except one. And it's a good thing if you suffer losses and distresses and all hope is taken away except one. Isn't that why Paul begins his very first lines in 1 Timothy, Christ, our hope? These people were delivered, not because they were holding on to the planks, but because of the promise. And faith takes hold of the promise, and it hopes, and it gives energy. Now, that ship had to go down. God had purposed it was going to go down. Because it was the only way that they were all going to get safely to the shore. How strange that is to the natural way of thinking. They will all be delivered. If the ship gets wrecked and you make it to the shore, that's God's way of deliverance. This was God's plan. Just over a hundred years ago, the Titanic sank and about 1,500 people drowned. And afterwards, they were all talking, of course, about how could God do that? And one man went up to a Christian and he said, surely this proves there's no God. All these hundreds of people drowned in the water. Surely that proves there's not a God, otherwise he wouldn't have let this happen. And the Christian said, 
those people in the water, when the Titanic was going down, they would be very glad to believe that there was a God because they had no other hope. They would be very glad to believe that there was a God. I believe God, he said. I think it was Spurgeon that said, faith is the most reasonable thing in the world, and yet at times the most difficult. And he was talking about Christians. Unbelief is so strong. Fear is so influenced by what we see, what we feel, what others tell us. But faith clings to what God says. Be of good cheer, he says to others. For I believe God that it shall be even as it was told me. Satan is active constantly. Present things have such an influence on us that we struggle in faith against them. So in conclusion, when we are faced with the storms of life, beware of letting your circumstances dictate to you how you feel. We live by faith, not by feelings, not by circumstances. Faith trusts in the promise of God. Even when it looks as if it will never happen, God says it, it will happen. We know we have a God who can be relied upon. As an old poem, it said, now learn in every state to make his will your own. And when the joys of sense depart, to walk by faith alone. The ship can go down, but not the Christian in it. None perish that him trust. Now then, for the non-believer, there's a lesson here too. All those people on the ship were saved because of Paul. Because Paul was on that ship, they were all saved. Does that not remind you of something else? You can only be saved because of one person. If you are in the company by faith of that one person, then when the ship goes down, you will not go down with it. And remember the Titanic. Even in the last moments, when the ship was going down, there was still one hope. And whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And we do know that there were some in that water who did. We know that because they survived. But even at the 11th hour, the master still calls for those to enter into his vineyard.
May he bless his word to us. Let us pray. Thou art our hope and confidence. Enable us to live to thee as those who trust, as those who go on through the fears and the storms of life. Into thy hands we commit our spirits. We pray that thou would take every hope away and draw all to that one hope set forth and freely offered in the gospel, Christ Jesus, whom to know is life eternal and none perish that him trust. We give thee thanks for remembering us in mercy through Jesus Christ. Amen.